0: we <laughs>
1: All right, everyone, welcome back to the Sixersense podcast. I am your host, Christopher Klein, here today with Jonathan Guy. No Lucas today. He's out. But we are going to hold down the fort and talk Sixers in a little bit of uh, football. We'll get to that later. But we're going to start on a mostly positive note with the Sixers, John. 119-108, their went over New York a few days ago. That's where we're going to kick this off with. Obviously, the Sixers lost to New York not that long ago, so this was a nice bounce back in that sense. 35 points, 11 boards, 6 assists for Joel Embiid, 20 points, 8 boards, 12 assists for James Harden, 27 off the bench on 16 shots for Tyrese Maxey. He was one of the big stories from this game. What were some of your main takeaways, John?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, just looking at the starters, first off, I mean, we always talk about Embiid, and I feel like that can sound like it's getting repetitive, but we really need to call it out so that his routine doesn't just get, we don't just get used to it, because what he's doing is not normal. I mean, 35 and 11 is his consistently, like, what he's basically averaging on the season, but that is incredibly impressive, and and I just want to continue to call that out, because the Knicks, like every team, honestly had no answer for him. Um and then also on the starters, obviously Melton he, he seemed to struggle. He was minus thirteen. Um I believe he's the only starter with a plus minus that was negative. But may I think we've talked before, maybe it is time that Doc makes that switch back for Maxie um into the starting lineup. But I mean, we'll see. That's that's where I was looking for the starters though mostly. How about you?
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I think we've reached the the end of the road with this Melton. Tucker starting five. I, I think just offensively, you're maybe not getting enough right now. Milton has kind of cooled down after a hot start to the season. So I, I'm with you there. This was a, a, a pretty good game from P.J. on both sides of the ball relative to what he's been providing this year. Tobias has been in a bit of a rough patch lately. Um, mm-hmm. Not not his best stretch of games. Some old habits are cropping up. Not, not the most encouraging stuff from him, but Joel... Is incredible you mentioned the the points but also 14 of 18 from the field 78 like like that's pretty remarkable efficiency to get those kinds of numbers james just just a brilliant player all around um so yeah if we're gonna move to the second unit it, it really starts and ends with tyrese and george george had 13 points hit three threes tyrese again with 27 on 16 shots Three steals as well for Maxi. He got some credit from his teammates for his defense in this game as well. Like, like this was a big showing for Tyrese after a rough couple of weeks. Talked after the game about how he had like a 90 minute conversation with his parents to kind of reset his mind and get in the right headspace. Seems like he's been struggling maybe with this bench role, just with his play in general. But this was a really nice bounce back from him. What were your thoughts uh, from Maxi on the bench?
2: Yeah, I, I I'm glad you hit Maxi. That was just stunning what he did. Those 27 points I think were the main initiator of. I, I believe it was 17 nothing, but it was something around there. Run uh, late third, early fourth. That honestly propelled this team to like make that comeback. I don't I don't love the fact that we had to make a comeback, but Maxi looked incredible. Um, everything that we're hoping that he's going to be. And then Niang, yeah, he like three for five from three is all we need. That's the kind of player we need off the bench to surround the starters. Or to surround the um, Embiid and other people coming off the bench, just to be able to knock down shots, and he did that. So I, I honestly Niang was kind of what stood out for me from the bench. Um, but I, as I was saying, we did have to make a comeback in the second half. That fourth quarter was just downright impressive. It seemed like that's when we really showed what we can do and what we look like. So what what was your takeaway? Was it more so having to make that comeback, or how good they looked in the fourth?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the story of the Sixers is that they're capable of these really impressive moments where they look like the best team in the NBA, and then they'll either precede or follow it up with these really horrendous stretches where they just don't look themselves. So that that's an issue. It's an ongoing issue. It's something they have to fix. Jalen Brunson was all over them early in this game. They, a lot of people on Twitter were, were calling for Matisse Stiebel. Uh, who obviously isn't isn't with the team anymore. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But a, a big game from Brunson. The Sixers have always struggled more than maybe they should And as far as slowing down good point guards. Um, Julius Randle, 30 points, 10 boards. He's an all-star for a reason. He, he's tough to stop in any matchup. Just a really unique player. But, yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. The Knicks are a good, not great team. Philly's a level or two above them, so... Be nice if they could just put together like four rock solid quarters and win a game comfortably, but
2: you know, yeah, I, is I mean, it's better
1: than no comeback,
2: <laughs> exactly. That That's what I was just thinking. Like, I, I, I still think they're in this like pre all star break malaise of like trying to just get to the all star break, get a little reset. I, I don't think they should need that, but that's just what it seemed like in the number of stretch of whatever games they've played for, so like in the past couple weeks, it's just been. It hasn't been what I expected to see from them. They just look lethargic at points. Um, And yeah, I don't think they should have to have that kind of comeback against a team like the Knicks. They are, we are, even though the Knicks beat us, I mean, I thought we were about to lose to the Knicks twice in the span of close to a week. Like, we're a better team than the Knicks, and we should not have to have those kind of games. So, yeah, again, you're right. Had a comeback, came out with a win. That's really all that matters. Um, But definitely a lot to work on. So that kind of takes us in for the next night. They went up from Philly, drove up to Boston, or drove up to Brooklyn, um, had the Saturday game against the Nets, and we got the win 101-98, super close, could have gone the other way if it was just like a half a second for Dinwiddie with that shot coming out of his hand, which I'm sure we can touch on later. But um, yeah, starters, bench, wh- wherever you want to start with this one.
1: Yeah, I, I mean let's start again with with Joel and James Harden. Thirty-seven and thirteen for Joe <laughs> in this game. The on only eighteen shots, twelve of thirteen at the free throw line. Harden had twenty-nine points, six boards, six dimes. Um, they're really good at basketball. Another game where Philly really didn't play all that well. Um, Brooklyn was was up for large stretches of this game. No one outside of those two really showed up either. It's pretty much they just rode the star power of of Joel and James to a win here. Um, Especially Joel down the stretch, which is phenomenal. And, you know, that's something Philly has the luxury of doing a lot of nights because Joel and James are incredible (laughs) players. But you you would like the bench to not be so bad. Um, And and the other starters as well, frankly, again, Tobias, one of nine in this game for three points, not going to cut it. Um, quiet PJ game, Melton didn't score a point, was minus 12. Like, that's that's not what you want from three out of your five starters. Um, Maxi came back down to earth a bit, had 12 points on 11 shots. Those but James, Joel, and Tyrese were the only double digit scorers in this game, which isn't the most sustainable model. So, yeah, not
2: I mean, the
1: it, best
2: it, like, game. no, it felt like Embiid and Harden, like, not even just looking at the box score, like watching the game, it felt like they were the only two. That decided to show up that game. And it's like, I know it's a back-to-back, but it's Philly to Brooklyn, like two and a half hours. It should not be that. That should not have been an issue if it was. So um the, they, they stood out as the positive. And obviously the rest of the team was negative, but like Tobias' negative stood out so much. Like he is looking like a player who like, is almost on a debt minimum contract, you know what I mean? As opposed to like his massive deal. The way he's playing, he almost looks scared to shoot at points during the game, especially this one during, versus the Nets. Like, I, we need him to to contribute more than he is if we're going to have any chance of, of making a deep run in the playoffs. But that was, yeah, that was definitely tough. Um, in terms of the bench, I was going to say, Maxi looked like he used up his superpowers the night before, clearly. Um, But we did get our first look at Jalen McDaniels. So he had five points, four rebounds, one assist. We'll talk a little bit more about the trade later. Obviously, he came back to us on trade deadline. Um, He had those stats in 16 minutes. I thought he looked good. You could really see his athleticism at play um, and and not having too much time to learn the system, learn the play, like get chemistry with the players. Obviously, that comes with time. So I think he'll be a lot better. But from what I saw, I was pretty impressed. What about you?
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on on all your points. Um with, with Tobias especially it's just again, like bad habits, habits that he appeared to have broken late last season early this season. He he's just being way less decisive all of a sudden, falling into a lot of those bad habits that we thought he was rid of. I I, I don't really know what the issue is. Hopefully he gets, you know, he snaps out of it, gets back into a rhythm here soon. Um yeah, with the bench, I'm I'm a big fan of McDaniel's. We'll talk about him more, like you said, George. Nothing special. Shake Paul. I I mean, the fact that Paul Reed has played these two games instead of Montrezl Harrell here is maybe something we should note. Um, we'll see if it continues for other reasons that we're gonna get into here later in the podcast. Yeah, but at long last, it seems that Paul is maybe gonna get his chance to to earn those back at minutes which is positive. I think he's very clearly better than Montrezl Harrell. He is like a plus two across 20 minutes the last couple of nights. So they theoretically won his minutes or at least played even. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, good stuff from him. I, I don't know why it took this long for Ball Reed to get a shot, but yeah, this is yeah. the Joel James show.
2: Yeah. Um, all right, so I have two questions about this game specifically that I'd love your opinion on. So, first, what did you – like, I'll put them both out to you, take them in whatever orders. First, what do you think about the new-look Nets? Obviously, they are completely revamped. We'll get into more, like, detailed trade deadline. But what do you think they look like out on the floor together? And then, second, I'd love to hear your thoughts on if Harden should have missed that last free throw. <laughs>
1: um... Um, hmm. I I mean, I'll, I'll I'll just start with the Nets. I I think they're a very cool team. Like I'm, I'm a big fan of that roster. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to win anything, so to speak. But they're pretty loaded on the defensive end. They have a lot of quality two way wings, which is what every team covets in, in today's NBA. Um, they, they're going to really swallow a lot of good teams whole on the defensive end. Offensively, they might have some more growing pains, but. Dinwiddie puts a lot of pressure on the rim. I think Mikhail Bridges is is in line for a leap here. He's gonna put up some pretty impressive numbers, I have to imagine. Cam Johnson, Dorian, Finney Smith, all those guys can shoot. Nick Claxton's awesome. We've we seen firsthand every time we've played the Nets this year, how how good Nick Claxton is on both sides of the ball. So Yeah. I I really like this team a lot. Uh, ben Simmons is like their eighth man now, which is kind of depressing, but other than that, I, I think Brooklyn's like a, a really solid team. I think they're going to probably hold on to their playoff spot. Um, they might slip into the play-in, but I, I think that might be a playoff team. Um, don't think they're a contender anymore, obviously. They don't have the star power, but they're really well-balanced. They're obviously very well coached. We all talked about Jacques Vaughn a couple episodes ago when we talked about our mid-season awards. He's coaching up a storm, and I I think that's a really
2: interesting team. Yeah, absolutely. What about in the Harden shot?
1: Um, you know, I I didn't really think much of it at the time. I um Yeah, I I don't honestly know if I have an opinion on the Harden shot, but but I, I mean, I, I, I was t-
2: watching it live. And just to give the, the listeners some reference if they, if they uh didn't see it, but um Harden went to the line Sixers up one with 0.9 seconds so the Nets have a timeout you figure if he makes them both they can advance the ball and then get off a good shot which is exactly what they did and he and Dinwiddie drilled a deep three and I mean obviously after the buzzer barely but the other option is Harden missing the back end of that if they get the rebound and try to call timeout you're down to like 0.5 0.4 I mean Mm -hmm. in live time I was like I was, like, he needs, he should miss this. He should miss it. I can see it both ways, but I honestly yeah. thought he should miss it. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, I, I think the, the like, fundamental, like, you probably should have missed it. Um, Like you said, I understand wanting to be up three instead of two, uh, just in case. Yeah. But, I mean, with nine-tenths of a second left, you're going to be hard-pressed. You know, you can't catch and release a shot if it's under .5, so... Missing probably would have been the safer route. Uh, in hindsight, especially given given that Dinwiddie shot, which was was pretty remarkable. Um, but yeah, yeah.
2: The other thing about the Nets that I wanted to point out was uh, watching this guy Cam Thomas. So I'd seen his stat lines, put up like what forty in three straight games or something, and was balling out. But watching him like live, the second he touches the ball, his head's down. Like you, like it almost oh, yeah. sounded like how teammates talked about like kobe in his prime they'd have words to, like in the second he touched it you knew he wasn't giving it up like cam thomas is not kobe but that is the <laughs> like the mentality that he has when he gets the ball he's shooting it's not I, even a question like i can't imagine his yeah. teammates like that
1: i i love cam thomas dearly i thought he should have been a lottery pick but he, he does not enjoy passing the ball it's certainly it's it's been there since lsu uh it, it's funny uh, um yeah i mean you mentioned 40 in three straight games not that long ago 14 and 18 minutes in this game he's he's gonna put up points he's not gonna do a lot else but he he will put the ball in the bucket um (laughs) yeah credit to him (laughs) yeah that's great
2: but uh yeah let's switch let's switch some gears from the games
1: all right let's let's talk about today's big news uh the uh, the Sixers have signed Dwayne Dedman from from the buyout market, John. Uh, obviously, seven foot center played the last couple of years with Miami. Deadman is currently uh, thirty three years old. What what are your thoughts on that signing?
2: <laughs> I I don't understand it at all. Like I I I mean. I going into the trade deadline, obviously, everyone's like, Yeah, let's get a backup center, get a backup center. And when it didn't happen, I'm like, Okay, I think we're going to proceed with Paul Reed. And I, even now, it still probably seems like that will be the way, but I'm not sure why we did this. And um, in our uh, Slack for Six or Cents, Matt Cahill, one of our contributors, put some amazing stats that I just wanted to throw out there. So he says that there was a tweet from Hoops Reference referencing that we now have the two worst backup centers in the entire NBA, um, and it's the Heat are eleven point nine points worse when Deadman's on the court, and the Sixers are three point four points worse when Harrell's on the court. So now we have both of them, and then more info or more stats on Deadman was that Miami averaged thirteen point eight fewer points per per one hundred possessions with Deadman on the floor. His minus. net rating is the worst of any Heat rotation member with more than 100 minutes on the season. So, just absolutely positive stats coming out of uh, Miami. Uh, I'm I'm unsure why we made this deal. So, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I I mean, Deadman, even as as recently as last season, was like a a solid, okay backup center, but he's looked pretty cooked this year. He, He can shoot a little bit. In theory, he can protect the rim a little bit, but I'm pretty sure this is kind of going to fall into the DeAndre Jordan vein of guys who just cannot stay on the floor in the playoffs and not really in the regular season either. Uh, I I agree. It's kind of not a very inspiring uh, signing. I I think a lot of people thought they would use this buyout spot, this extra roster spot that they created by waiving the best three-point shooter in the NBA. Uh, Sign a backup center. Uh, But at least with New Orleans Noel, right? there's some credible belief that he could be a, a positive defender in the playoffs, Someone like that. You go for a young guy like Goka Patate, who just got bought out in Indiana. There's some upside. Deadman's over the hill, <laughs> like just to state it plainly. So I I don't like it. You know, there are pretty quality guards and wings out there. I, I'd rather take like a wing who might be cooked even than a, than a big, who's just going to get played off the floor in the playoffs, no matter what. Uh, yeah, I, I think Paul Reed is objectively better than Dwayne Denman. I hope that Doc doesn't now shove all the backup center minutes to Dwayne Denman. If he's the fourth, third option, whatever you need at center in an emergency, that's fine. But he's not a guy the Sixers should be using every game. Um, it's kind of lame that this spot could have been Charles Bassies or Isaiah Joe's, but that's, a, a I guess, another story for another day. Uh, but, yeah, just, just not a very inspiring move. I, I Frankly, he just shouldn't be on the court very often for Philly. I'll keep beating the Paul Reed drum because I, I think I'm right.
2: <laughs> um, yeah, not ideal. I think you're right. The next question, obviously, do you think we do we think he's going to get some playing time? I mean, Doc's going to try him out. We'll see what's going to happen. But I agree with you completely. I think Reed's got to be the backup center to Joel. I, I think in the playoffs, that's the way it's going to go. Yeah. We both kind of think that's the right move right now, um, and hopefully it shows out. Reed's got the opportunity to make it his if he wants it, and uh, we'll just have to wait and see. But, yeah. okay, so last time we recorded,
0: Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Dot com, And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Recorded
2: was Wednesday night, just for uh, clarity's sake. So we missed some big um, NBA trade deadline news. I'd love to get into as much of it as we can today. So um, I think we finished recording at like 10 on Wednesday. A uh, mere three hours later, we had a Kevin Durant trade. So Kevin Durant and TJ Warren went to the Phoenix Suns in exchange for Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder, who then got flipped um, four first round picks and a first round pick swap. So that I mean, honestly, you don't see players like Kevin Durant getting traded at the trade deadline. This was the most absurd trade deadline I've been a part of, not just because of the Kevin Durant thing, but that headlined it. For sure, it it shifts the balance of power in the NBA immediately the second he shows up. So, I mean, what are your thoughts on that trade, uh, Chris?
1: Yeah, I mean, going back to that podcast, I was listening to it the other day, and it was like a throwaway line kind of a joke at the moment. I was like, the Nets are still contenders as long as the Suns don't trade for Kevin Durant. And and then (laughs) they actually did it. So, yeah, um, Phoenix pretty immediately moved to, like, Front runner in the NBA, they're like title favorites, I think, everywhere at this point, um, for good reason. Kevin Durant's an amazing superstar who can fit with just about any system and any star. Him and Devin Booker are going to do awesome things together. They still have Chris Paul and DeAndre Ayton. Uh, they don't have much of a bench at the moment, but when you got those guys, it's it's hard to get too concerned. Um, again, the Nets, I, I I really like this new look like, Nets team. We'll see how much of it they they keep together uh, over the summer, but you know, given the circumstances, they got a pretty good haul. I'm I'm, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson are amazing players. They got four first round picks. Uh, You know, Brooklyn's gonna be okay. Uh, But yeah, I I mean, the Suns are like title favorites now. That's a, a huge move that shifts the balance of power in the NBA. It really, like, the West has been kind of a mess this year, and Denver's been running in pole position for a while, and now there's a real real battle at the top of that conference. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
2: Yeah, I, that, I, you, I, you said it great. Sorry, I started over that, but you just said it great. I, the things I would point out, obviously, this team, the Suns team was in the NBA Finals two years ago, And they were third, I think, when they made this trade. Like, they haven't been playing great, but they've been under the radar. And this is – I mean, obviously, all the team players, they gave up. But they still have Chris Paul, DeAndre, and Devin Booker, the core of that team that went to the finals. And you're adding potentially the best player in the NBA. I, I mean, I immediately understand why they're title favorites, I I think it's going to be incredibly fun to watch. Like you could add one of us as the fifth player on that team, and we could probably go to Western Conference Finals. Like thats It's honestly unbelievable what they're going to look like. Um, and then on the Nets side, I i see a lot. I forget who mentioned it, but someone uh, I was listening to was saying that this team looks a lot, this Nets team looks a lot like the team pre-Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like that Kenny mm-hmm. Atkinson was coaching, where it's a lot of young guys, a lot of Great, they play really hard and, and they fit well together. They got some talent, no superstars, but they were a good team. I mean, they interested Kevin Durant enough to consider it when he was looking where he was going to go. I mean, I think this Nets team actually might surprise some people. I, I think they'll stay yeah. out of the play in, I think they might be top six. We'll see. But the one I thing mean, that I found really, yeah, I, I mean, like
1: going back to the Sixers game, that was their first game together, and the ball was. Moving around, they were swinging it. Like, like the offense looked good. The defense was connected. Mikhail Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith are, like, all defense caliber guys. Nick Claxton is in the defensive player of the year conversation. Mikael was second last year. Like, this is going to be an awesome defensive team. They're going to shut teams down a lot of nights. And offensively, you may have some more bumps and bruises along the way. But, I, I mean, I think Mikael can get you 20-plus a night, especially in the role he's going to have now. Ben Woody again puts a lot of pressure on the rim like they're gonna they're gonna get enough points I think to back up that defense so I I think they're a real team
2: yeah and the only other thing I was gonna say that I found really interesting is Brian Windhorst was saying that when Kyrie was traded to Dallas the Nets were under the impression that Kevin they were gonna work with Kevin Durant to have him stay like they understood that he was upset but they were trying to have these hard conversations I think was the quote to keep him with the franchise and see what he wanted and then after Kyrie's gone, and I think maybe 24 hours went by, Kevin Durant says that he wants to be out. And Windhorse was saying that they would likely, if the Nets knew that Kevin Durant wanted to leave anyway, they likely would have traded Kyrie Irving to the Lakers to get the two unprotected 2027-2029 first-round picks back as opposed to Dinwiddie, Dorian, Finney-Smith. Not that they're not great players, but it would change the trajectory of the franchise. Like the yeah. Dinwiddie, Dory Finney-Smith was kind of t- – play around uh, Durant, maybe potentially be trade pieces that were still trying to figure stuff out. But the fact that Kyrie might be a Laker if KD had made his like desires known earlier, I, I thought that was incredibly interesting. So um, why don't we touch on the matisse Thybul trade? Um, it was a three-team trade. I think it's been up- updated to a four-team trade, obviously, after after the fact but essentially the main pieces are we traded matisse i to the portland trail blazers and in return we got Jalen mcdaniels from the charlotte hornets uh forward six nine i think 210 what are you what are your thoughts on that trade
1: yeah um, a lot of people were complaining about this being a salary dump move a tax doc and i understand that like philly's in a position to maybe win the championship you don't want them making moves solely to save money like Ownership can afford it, I assure you. But here's the bottom line. They they gave up the Charlotte pick, um, which is probably gonna be like the thirty third, thirty-fourth pick, maybe even thirty one or thirty two, which I understand some people are a bit hesitant about that. But they got two future second round picks in return. Honestly, I don't think the difference between like thirty four and forty four is that great if you're a team that can draft well. It's also not that hard to like move up in the second round on draft night. Um So, yeah, bottom line, I I think Jalen McDaniels is better than Matisse Theibel right now. I I think you can trust him much more in the playoffs than you can Matisse Theibel. They're both the same age. They have bird rights, so they can re-sign McDaniels. I don't know what kind of contract he's going to demand, but it might even be less than what is going to demand, just because has two all-defensive teams on his resume. So, I thought it was a pretty good trade. Like, you move one second-round pick, you get two back, you get... I think a better player, at least a better fit for a team that's trying to win right now. He's the same age. They're both young. I, I was pretty happy with this trade. I think with Daniels is going to do a lot of good things. He's 6'9". He can defend a lot of positions. going to give you some more versatility in the front court. Defensively, I, I could see a lot of small ball groups led by him and P.J. up front in the playoffs. Um, then offensively, not a great shooter, but uh, a better shooter than Matisse. Some on defenses are at least going to have to think about. And he can do a lot more off the dribble, driving to the lane, putting pressure on the rim that way. So, i thought it was a pretty good trade.
2: Yeah, I think that, like you said, I I wrote an article kind of about this saying that obviously we're going to lose something in terms of straight skill on the defensive end. Daigle was incredible to all defense teams. But Jalen can guard multiple positions, and that's what I think is extremely helpful. He's big. He can play with the guys down low. Um, And on the offense, yeah, I think... Said exactly in the article what you were saying that he fits perfectly next to PJ or Joel, and and he doesn't need to be a knockdown shooter. We got wins like that, but like Matisse wasn't even a threat at some points. He he had some great times this year, but it was inconsistent. So I think all around this trade probably will be better. Um and and it didn't seem like Charlotte was prioritizing re-signing McDaniel, so kind of probably worked out on both ends. Um, and then another interesting trade that kind of went down. I think it was. Right around the time that the Kevin Durant trade was being announced was Toronto acquired Jakob Podol from the San Antonio Spurs. And the reason this is interesting is because they were like all week, there was a lot of discussion about teams trying to like pull OG Ananobi from Toronto, get him to play on another team. Uh, and I think Toronto might've been demanding like three first round picks or something. And even after Kevin Durant got traded, they were saying that yeah. his value might be even going up. There's a little bit of time before the trade deadline. Maybe Toronto can really squeeze some teams, but it seems like they were just on, un- they were okay. Kevin Durant left. They went in with upgrading uh, at the center position and having Yaka Poto and they look like they're maybe trying to make a run at it this year in the East by keeping OG and and not really making any uh, selling moves all buying. So what do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it wasn't even just OG, too. Like Fred VanVleet was in plenty of rumors. There was rumors that KD wanted the Nets to try to trade for Siakam and that maybe he wanted to trade because they couldn't do that. Like, there were a lot of rumors around all their guys. Um, and then they just trade for Pirtle, who I, I think is like a – Top 100-ish player. Like, Pirtle's really good. He's an excellent defender, really fundamentally sound, good finisher inside. Like, he's going to make them a better team. They've been obviously looking for a center all season. Um, you know, Toronto's had a rough year, but just last season they were, like, you know, a top six seed that was able to give Philly some trouble in the playoffs. They This roster has been very competitive in the past, so... It'll be interesting to see if they can make a run. Uh, defensively, they're fine. It's offense that has given this team a lot of trouble in the past. I don't think Pertle is really solving that particular issue. But they have the star power. Like, Siakam's a legit star. Fred has, you know, t- tapered off a little bit, but he's still a really good player. OG's a really good player. Scotty Barnes was Rookie of the Year. He's, he's starting to find his groove now. Like, they have a lot of good pieces, so... I I could see them getting a little bit better here down the stretch. Um, Defensively, they're going to be absolutely fine, but it'll be interesting to see if they can put the pieces together offensively.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, on top of that, we had – there were so many other trades on the day. I know there's a couple I want to touch on, but I'll give you the opportunity. Anything else from the trade deadline, other teams that we didn't talk about made moves that you wanted to hit on? Yeah, I I mean, I I thought the Gary
1: Payton trade was – Pretty cool for Golden State before it was, you know, they're, they're going to basically be missing him until the playoffs, it seems like. So that's that's kind of a bummer. Um, but obviously, he helps the Warriors quite a bit. They need all the help they can get. Part of that trade was James Wiseman going to Detroit, where it appears that he's going to be starting. Um, I'm not convinced he's better than Jalen Duran but we'll see what goes on there. I, obviously, a former number two pick, plenty of upside, a monster athlete. There's a reason he was number two. I don't know if it was the right pick. In fact, I know it definitely wasn't the right pick. But <laughs> there's a lot of upside there still. <laughs> so I, I understand the Pistons taking the swing. Tadiq Bay going to Atlanta. Um, you know, he'll help their bench. Uh, yeah, I, I I I thought that was an interesting move. The Clippers, who you got written down here on the agenda, made a lot of a lot of moves. Eric Gordon, Bones Island, Mason Plumlee. Uh, Plumley in particular is a really, really strong backup center. Uh, the guy I know Lucas liked a lot uh, and wanted Philly to trade for. And just to bring it back to Philly for two seconds, like if they had traded for a legitimately good backup center, I would have been fine with it. If they had traded for Plumley, like cool. You you play Mason Plumley because he's a, like a starting caliber guy. He can hold down the fort for 15 minutes, but Deadman just sucks. So. Back to the the Clippers, though. I I think the Clippers got better. Um, I think the Warriors get better if they can get Gary Payton back before the playoffs. And, yeah, um, any any moves that stood out to you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll touch a couple on what you said about um, obviously Wiseman getting traded. I'm shocked that the Warriors kind of didn't hit on a pick because they seem to be so good at doing that. So that was something to note. And I love Bones Highland to the Clippers. I mean, he seems to be dropping minutes with the nuggets, which I don't understand. I mean, maybe I'm a little biased being from Delaware. He's a Delaware product, but um, he is a great player. And I think he's going to give the Clippers a, a strong identity off the bench. He can get buckets when he wants. So I'm looking forward to seeing Bones play for uh, the Clippers. The Gary Payton trade too, that was just so interesting to me. The fact that like it seems as though the Portland Trailblazers did not bring up the fact that they'd essentially been giving Gary Payton tour it all to make him play like throughout the year. Or uh, it just blew my mind that the Warriors seemed to have no understanding of that. The next day after the trade died like that news coming out was just this trade might be up in the air. I mean, yeah, the the Warriors are not making a trade, especially for Gary Payton, for future. Like, that was for this year. And, I, yeah. I mean, you say he might be back by the playoffs. I, I heard surgery could even take him into the offseason. Hopefully it doesn't, but who knows? I mean, just the whole the whole story around that, if you haven't seen it, definitely look it up. It's just – it's a fun read. Um, and then I, I just thought it was cool to note that – not cool. I feel bad. But John Wall back to the Rockets was kind of funny. Um, obviously, he's going to get cut or waived. but. Um, he was in purgatory. There wasn't playing for years. Like they didn't even want him on the court. Just getting paid, staying away from the team, because the Clippers, yeah. and then right on back to Houston.
1: Very recently, was on a podcast talking about how much he hated Houston. <laughs> so
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah. Uh,
1: yeah. I'd be interested to see who wants John Wall at this point. Obviously. The Clippers signed him to be a bench guard on a playoff contender, and if he can't make it there, it'll be interesting to see if he can make it. Because all we've heard all season from the Clippers is, aside from they need a backup center, is they need a, another point guard. So if, if John Wall couldn't snuff it there, it'll be interesting to see who takes the gamble. Um, Danny Green, also going to Houston in the World 1 Trades, got bought out. He's going to Cleveland. Who would have been a much better buyout candidate than Dwayne Dedman, but. Um, you'll get minutes in Cleveland who probably look really good and make me
2: very upset. Um, yeah, the, so yeah, so outside of, the, outside of the trade deadline, before we get uh, to the last topic, there was one other thing I wanted to ask you about. So they announced the um, injury replacements for the All-Star game. Um, I think De'Aaron Fox and Anthony Edwards out West, Pascal Siakam in the East, which um, obviously pushed uh, Joel Embiid into the starters, which Obviously, he wasn't originally chosen, which is kind of annoying, but he will be starting. I'm not sure if they've made an announcement if Jalen Brown is going to need a replacement. But uh, if he does, maybe Harden. I don't know. I wanted to see what you thought about those three getting there, uh, getting into the All-Star game, and maybe Embiid getting that promotion.
1: Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of all three. Uh, Fox, is. it's a really cool moment for him. He's been working towards this for a while, Uh, you know, the Kings have been really stuck in purgatory for for a long long time now so having two all-stars is a really cool moment for that franchise um edwards probably should have made it the first go around without the entry replacement he's been awesome for minnesota pushed them back into the playoff conversation and yeah a lot of people are going to be bummed that harden wasn't wasn't the next guy up but i mean it will stay like harden obviously should have started but so, Siakam should have as well. I think him and Harden were two pretty egregious um, absences the first time around. So I'm really maybe Siakam should have been the first guy up uh, with this injury reserve thing. So I, probably the right call. I, I think he's been awesome. Obviously, the Raptors have been less awesome, but he, he deserves to be an all star. So I, I'm not mad about it. Hopefully like you said if they need another guy I mean hopefully they don't need another guy you don't want guys to get hurt but if they do I I would imagine that Harden is the next guy they call. Uh,
2: yeah I mean people are pushing they, for that Jimmy Butler Jimmy Butler but um it should be Harden yeah in my yeah. opinion and and Anthony Edwards I really like to see because they asked him why he shouldn't be like about not being selected for an All-Star right after the reserve for, reserves were initially announced and he just was so professional just said I don't deserve it and they were like what do you mean you're playing incredible? He said, I didn't play great early on in the season. He said he wasn't surprised. And the media just kept being like, why weren't you surprised? Like, you're playing so well. Like, you're doing great for the Timberwolves. Um, and he just kept saying, like, I, I didn't earn it. I'll be there one day. But uh, this year's not the year. And I think there were some other players around the league tweeting that video, like John Moran and uh, some others just saying, like, this guy gets it. And I think he's um, – I'm glad that he got in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, go dogs. Uh, so let's let's move into to the uh, final topic. Um, Super Bowl was last night, John. Uh, yeah. 35 Chiefs win. Um, very upsetting. What were your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I mean it was brutal. I, I'm here in Philly, and I was looking forward to being out on broad street at midnight just i don't know just watching whatever was going on you, you never know what's going to happen but um i mean it keeps coming people are going to keep coming back to that last play obviously bradbury gets called for pass interference i mean very annoying. i think the eagles lost it yeah the call super annoying and i wish i could just like harp on it all all game long but there was the eagles were just flat out outplayed also all around in the second half yeah um Jalen Hurts was incredible, honestly incredible. Uh, they need to give him his contract today. Give him the contract, rookie contract extension. Pay him two hundred million guaranteed. I don't care. I mean, he's he looked like an absolute superstar, and he handled it with grace, which he always does. Um, but yeah, we it was it was a tale of two halves. Honestly, was I thought the game was over when Patrick Mahomes went down with that ankle injury. He looked like I mean, the way his face looked, uh, initial reaction looked like he like broke his ankle, but not the play. I mean, just the way he was reacting and. I just think that it's such a tough loss. It's such the, – the what bothers me about the call more than anything is that a Super Bowl ended on it. Like Obviously, it's worse that it's the Eagles, but that game was so good. That was one of the best Super Bowls, not just because the Eagles win yeah. it, just all around. It's 35-35, tied with, with five minutes to go. Jalen led the team down, powered in, I don't know how, like second, third, fourth effort to get in on that two-point conversion. Like – it's a game for the ages, and for it to end that way it was just so disappointing even that it wasn't the Eagles, but, like, even if it wasn't. But, um, yeah, it was tough. What, what were you thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not even, like, a proper Philly guy, and I, I was pretty pissed off. Um, yeah, just like you said, a brutal way to end. The Chiefs probably win anyways, but, you know, you give yeah. the ball to Jalen Hurts with a minute and a half left. Something can happen. Um, but, like, the Chiefs obviously... The next play after that call, um, uh, you know, they, they were had, like, a wide open lane to the end zone and slid down at the one. So, like, they probably would have scored a touchdown. But, um, you know, just a, a lousy way to end the game. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge football guy, but Kansas City was pretty dominant in that second half. That Jalen Hurts fumble in the first half really stung.
0: Ugh. Uh,
1: yeah. Even when it happened, I was like, that's going to bite him. And, and it obviously did. But other than that, Jalen Hurts was was pretty incredible. I, I think the Eagles were probably the better team. Um, the defense really fell apart there down the stretch, though. And you've got to give Patrick Mahomes credit because he's, like, the greatest player of this generation might be one of the best we're ever going to see. Um, hard to beat that guy in general. But, yeah, I, I mean... It's a bummer. The NFL is, is there's far more parity than even in the NBA, so you never really know when teams are going to get back. So as great as the Eagles are, as great as Jalen Hurts is, like there's really no guarantee as far as getting back to this stage. So it, it stinks to see them not be able to pull it out. They had a ten point lead at halftime, like you said, game they probably should have won. But um,
2: I mean, you made a you made yeah. a great point there, like the. My, that's what my friend said to me immediately after the game. He's not even an Eagles fan. He said, like, honestly, that's probably the same. That's probably the outcome of the game if you don't call that. Like, I, again, who knows? Jalen Hurts can probably go down, like, has a chance to go down the field. Anything can happen. But if you don't make that call, they kick the field goal and then there's a minute and a half left. Like, real, I hate saying it as an Eagles fan, but realistically, like, probabilistically, that is the outcome's probably going to be the same if they don't call it. That's why it's just tough to see it that way. And yeah, I mean, Defense was great all year again, like you said, and, and couldn't even get a sack, couldn't even get to Patrick Mahomes at all. Looked looked uh nothing like the team that had the second most sacks in the NFL history in the regular season. Mm-hmm. So tough yeah. loss, but um I mean now everyone's attention's on the Sixers, right? Because flyers no one's paying attention to. So
1: <laughs> Yeah, I I mean yeah. you know, Phillies, Eagles, I believe the soccer team all lost in the championship. So now,
2: ninety nine days. Ninety nine awesome. days. Three lost championships.
1: It's you know, on one hand, it's pretty awesome that Philly's been in the championship for three different leagues this year. Like that, there, there's plenty to be excited about. But uh <laughs> you know, everyone's hopes and dreams resting on the Sixers is a recipe for disaster, as we've <laughs> seen in the past. I don't know if I'm comfortable with that fact. Um,
2: Can you imagine so, they get to the the finals and like just. It, we're gonna get a uh, we're gonna get a thirty for thirty on that if that happens.
1: If they get to the finals, I I it'd be too stressful. Honestly, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared for for that outcome. As much as I would love it, um, yeah, you know, it's all up to Philly now. Well, the Sixers are clearly good enough. Um, are they consistent enough? Do they want it enough? You know, that's up for debate. But they clearly have the talent. They've been one of the best teams in the NBA, maybe the best team in the NBA, statistically since James got back from his injury. So you know, it's all there. Um, They're just gonna make it happen now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That I that game was such a stupid ending. Um. All right. Well, we'll we'll be back talking more basketball next week. Yeah, and this is not going to become a football pod. I can't do that. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> as always, thanks y'all for tuning in to the Sixers Sense podcast. Please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can. We are on YouTube, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, Apple Music, all that fun stuff. Leave us five stars if you can. Give us a review or leave a comment. Let us know what you want us to talk about next. And until next time, go Sixers. We're on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense if you're on the web at the626.com. We'll talk to you soon.